I'm Tracy Balash, and this is Learn to Fly. When I turned 50, I threw myself a party. I remember looking out at my friends and family when they sang happy birthday, and I thought to myself, I cannot believe I know so many amazing people. So when I was approached about starting a podcast, I knew I wanted to celebrate the people in my life who are a source of inspiration to me. Learn to Fly is my conversations with these brave birds, some of whom may be an inspiration to you. And with this conversation, I'm sticking close to home. My dad, George, has lived with multiple sclerosis for nearly 50 years, and he is one of the most positive people I know. We started with when he initially started showing symptoms of the disease. Well, it was either the end of November or first part of December 1969. And I was numb from my chest to to the middle, my whole left side, down my leg, my arm, everything was numb. It wasn't until January my the, the, the doctor came to see me, because we used to subsidize the doctor in the early days of Grand Cash, and uh, uh, so he was also a friend, and he says, uh, I want to see you. I told him what's wrong, and he wanted to see me immediately. And uh, I had no intention going because being in finance, it's year end, so I really had no time, and I wasn't suffering. And he said, I want you in my office. He even went to my boss, make sure he's in my office this afternoon. So he did a very, I went, he did a very unusual uh, examination. And uh, following that, he says, I'm putting you on a plane right away to Edmonton. So I got on a plane and ended up at the uh, university hospital. And, uh, well, they really put me through an examination there. And... uh, I said to them, they said I'm going to be staying there for a while. And I told them that um, I can't, it's year end, I have to be at work. So you can forget about year end. You're staying here probably a month. I said, oh my God, what's going on? He says, we don't know, but we're going to put you through a lot of tests. And that they did. And uh, the worst one was it was called a monogram, I believe, uh, in those days. And all they do is pump air through your spine into the brain, so that enlarges your brain. Oh. And they take uh, pictures of it. And they didn't find anything. So... Um, they put me on a drug called ACTH, and I had, it was through intravenous, eight hours a day uh, for 10 days. It worked. My uh, as a numbness went away, and uh, so I figured, okay, I'm, I'm okay now. So I was good, but some numbness or other, uh, activities 
surfaced and uh, so I must have ended back at the uh, actually it used to be called the Colonel Newman Hospital uh, an old veterans hospital and I the day I got there, they shipped me from emergency to my bed, and I figured, oh my God, it was like a dungeon. So, <laughs> anyways, um, um, how old were you at the time? Well, I just well at, at the time when I it surfaced, I was uh, twenty nine. Wow! But in February. Uh, 30 years so uh, basically I've had it on for at this time 49 years what kind of reaction did you have when you were first told that you had multiple sclerosis? well they didn't tell me until about two three years later oh really oh yeah they uh, how I found out is um, he had a colleague there I forget his name and they were talking about multiple sclerosis. And I just said to myself, geez, I hope that is not what I have. And uh, so I came home and I told my wife, uh, I think I have multiple sclerosis. And she says, why? What makes you think that? And I said, "The uh, my urologist and his partner there, uh, they were discussing about uh, um, MS. And uh, so that's what makes me think I might have that. And she says, well, why didn't you ask a urologist? And I was too scared. Mm. I don't know if I wanted to know. But the next time I went to see him, appears that it's MS. But they have no way of knowing. The MS for me was diagnosed in 1996 when I was changed a urologist because mine went to Sherbrooke, Quebec and uh, so he sent me down um, to uh, for an MRI and that's when it got confirmed so all this while I've been treated for MS not knowing for sure if that's what I really have so I strongly believe that ACTH is a powerful drug, but they don't want to use it today. Why not? Well, they say it weakens the bone. Mm. Well, as, as much ACTH that I had definitely didn't weaken my bones because one time I fell into the, in the driveway, cracked my head, but instead of cracking my head, <laughs> cracked the concrete. That's your stubborn Slovak skull. That <laughs> <laughs> it's thick. I want to talk about um, how you broached the disclosure of your MS to uh, my brother and I. Um, and because there were a few years, obviously, that we didn't know. Yeah. Um, we were older when you told us. I think we were in our teenage years. Um, well, we were we were still in our house. Yeah, well, we were in Wetaskiwin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely we were, yeah. I think Tim was maybe 14 and I was 11, 12, something like yeah. that. I don't remember telling Tim, maybe you told him, I don't no, know. No, I remember you sitting the both of us down. 
And uh, well, there, yeah. yeah, how did you prepare for that? I didn't. You came down and asked me questions. Really? Yeah. I don't remember and, that. Uh, I said, well, what I have is uh, multiple sclerosis, and you might as well know there's no cure for that. And you started bawling. Mm-hmm. And I said, as I didn't know what it was. Yeah, you had no idea. So your next question was, are you going to die? I said, no. I said, I'm not, I'm not ready to die. And uh, so you were happy then. The tears dried up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's, uh, then after that incident where I was at the general, I went in 20-year remission. But the one time, I going back a bit again, in Grand Cash, we had this doctor, family doctor, and he was also a friend. And um, one day I went to see him, and, and he asked me how I am. And I said, not worth a damn. And he says, why, what's wrong? And I said, well, I said, I just find out I got a, a MS. My kids are small. And uh, we're in the middle of nowhere, up in Grand Cache. At that time, when you got to Hinton, you were still nowhere, uh, nowhere at that time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I moved my family up here, and uh, and something does happen, and uh, my family might be stuck here. And he says, and he chewed me out, up one wall, down the other wall. He says, you can walk out the door and get run over. And I said, you, and in summary, he just said, you've got to accept it, that you have it. You have to think positive and do the most with your life that you can. So when I got home, told my wife, and um, said, I'm not going to see Dr. Stevenson again. So, um, but after when I thought about it, it made a lot of sense. And I said, okay, that's what I have. Nothing I can do about it. And uh, so I accepted it. And I figured, God, I'm going to enjoy life. Because I had no idea I'm going, how long. I'm going to have it. And as time went on, I get more and more positive. Started attending support group meetings. I want to ask you about that, because I know there was a time that you said to me that you regretted not participating in those support groups sooner. Well, I couldn't see myself supporting, because what you have is a problem in itself. And that I want to listen to other people's problems, I said, I don't think so. But then I forget the gal's name at the MS Society. She says, well, what? I asked her about the support meetings. And so uh, she says, come for a meeting and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. You're not obliged to go, so but at least come and sit. So I did, and I found it very interesting. Can't remember what all was discussed. 
But um, yeah, I don't want to miss any of these meetings. Uh, I eventually preached to them uh, over some issue and I told them, look you guys, we are a unique family. <clears throat> they said, we are a family, and, and the reason is because we are a unique family, and as a result, when we talk about something, we know what we're talking about. Because nobody with MS that, has a, a, that doesn't have MS, you can tell them what's going on and what time, but they don't understand. You know, whereas people with MS, they, uh, they, they understand what you're talking about. So, um, and now, even at one of the Christmas parties, one of the directors at MS Society, uh, even said, George, uh, calls us the uh, MS family, which is so very true. And um, so that's basically, I found the support group meetings very, very supportive mm -hmm. and very interesting. And because we are a family, we support each other. And I said when something happens to one, you either come and visit or phone or email, text message. But that's when a MS person uh, needs support most because again people would know uh, that do not have MS they can't understand why you can't do this mm -hmm. why you can't do that in my case today after 49 years uh, living with it um, I'm getting slower weaker I'm still walking Right now, I had a major setback uh, last week, so I'm in a wheelchair, but I plan to start exercising and start walking again with my walker, and uh, and I'm not ready to quit. Uh, my goal is to live to be 100, and I believe I will make it to 100. So I may not be active, but... Uh, I want to see myself go to 100. That's only 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the meantime, I mean, you do live a very full life, um, despite I, the limitations that you have. So, I love living. Yep. You're, I mean, you're, you're a musician um, and a very yeah. accomplished accordion player. Um, you play piano downstairs for the residents um, almost on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um you know, you, you paint, um, you know, you go to the exercise classes, um, you do yoga. What, what motivates you? What, what keeps you going? Well, if I'm going to live to be 100, and I really don't want to be bedridden, not as long as I could help it. So that's the only thing I can do is mm -hmm. you have to continue to be active, mobile, and think properly. Yeah, some days, you know, you're all of a sudden you're thinking not the right way. And um, so what I've been doing is I would go to my keyboard 
and start playing. And then when I'm done, I said, I wonder, I couldn't even remember why I was down. But uh, uh, now I'll probably listen more to YouTube. There's all kind of nice music on, might even uh, subscribe. But, um, and whenever you feel that way, in my case, I have a way to combat that feeling. But others, phone me or phone anybody that you're comfortable talking to. And don't talk about how you feel. Talk about anything but. And I'll assure you that after you finish chatting and whatnot, you're going to wonder why you, call, uh, why you called. You know, and uh, communication is so important in any aspect of life. You, you have to talk about it, not deal with it yourself. Mm -hmm. And I said, I might be the guilty one, but like I said, I uh, have other ways of dealing with it. I love music and brings back memories and the younger days and the older days. I had a band in Montreal. I had a band in Grand Cash, and occasionally I played in Wetaskiwin, and um, I think we played in Edmonton a couple of times. And uh, but today, unfortunately, my accordion days are over because last week I um, I tried my accordion after nine years, and boy, was my left arm in pain. That actually. And it got me sick. Mm -hmm. So I'm afraid I, I've prob probably used muscles that I forgot I had. <laughs> and uh, that's why my arm was so sore. So I think my accordion days are over. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll try out a 48 bass. And uh, if I can handle that, I might go back to it. Because uh, mine's 124 sets of reeds, so it's a very... Uh, heavy accordion, but uh, I would love to get back into uh, my accordion. I, I enjoy playing the piano. I just sat down and picked it up on my own, uh, which the left hand is totally different. I could only chord, but uh, people love it downstairs. They always tell me because one week I play at one uh, dining room and the next week I play at another dining room. It's like a Las Vegas residency that you have. <laughs> so, um, and if I haven't played for a little while, where were you? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, they really enjoy it. So obviously they enjoy it, yeah. I know when I've shared this with, with people, they're, they're a little bit taken aback when I tell them this, but, um, of course, you know, we lost... Uh, my mother, um, your wife, mm. a couple of years ago to cancer. And I remember people coming up to you at the funeral and saying, George, we thought it was going to be you. And you said, oh, I know, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> people can't believe that story when I tell yeah. them. But, you know, here you are and, and thriving. Plus, yeah, I only, the only, the, uh, this allowed me to drive last year mm -hmm. in September. So I drove all this time. I had trouble getting into the car, but my right leg was fine. But 
My left leg is almost useless, next to useless. So, but I managed to drag it along if I have to or lift it. And, but it's, uh, it's not an easy life, but you have to adjust to it. Like I said, you have to accept it. And, uh, and make the most of it. Humor is definitely a big part of your life. Humor. Y humor. You're a very funny man. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Funny man, boy. Well, I, I, I like know my, clown. My, bro <laughs> my brother and I are quite entertained by you. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> yeah, I learned, I'm learning something new. There you go. Yeah. I had no idea you viewed me that way. <laughs> well, wonders never cease. There you go. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm very proud that you're my father. You're a very well, source of you. inspiration. And, and uh, I love you both, Tim and you. Yeah. Thank you again, Dad. I appreciate you're it. You're very welcome. I'm Tracy Balash, founder of Brave Bird Studio and host of Learn to Fly. If you have any questions about this episode or would like more information on the services my company provides around coaching, leadership, and team building, email me at tracy at bravebirdstudio.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>